Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to host my own podcast? Well, guess what? You can go to podbean.com slash voices and get everything you need to create, manage, and promote your podcast. I use Podbean every week for voices in my head. There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com slash voices. And when you sign up, use the code VOICES and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean, for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. All right. Well, I welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm sorry for sounding a little bit disjointed here right at the beginning, uh, but I am. Uh, I've had a tough time recording this podcast tonight. For whatever reason, we started the file and then Skype wasn't working right. We had to start and stop this conversation about three different times. So what you're about to hear, and it is getting late in the evening, so I apologize for any unprofessionalism that that may come out of the way this sounds but i promise you this interview is actually worth waiting around for in spite of the technical glitches that may be there i had a wonderful conversation with my friend uh, john wilkerson and tonight we had a conversation uh, about really what i was talking about last week here on voices in my head it was sort of a springboard off of that where we talked about how eugene peterson uh, had had an interview and in that interview he was asked a question about whether or not hypothetically if he was still pastoring today in the denomination that he is a part of uh, that does allow gay marriage if he was asked to do a wedding for a christian gay couple if he would do that he said yes the internet exploded lifeway threatened to pull his books from the shelves and then he explained himself the next day did sort of a retraction and after that happened lifeway was good with it again well john asked me a question that we're going to be dealing with on the show but i wanted to give you the setup to that a little bit when the interview comes in i'll be talking just a little bit about show baraka one of my favorite rappers he's a very 
good Christian artist. He raps about reality and very real things, but he had his music pulled uh, from shelves. And it was an interesting question that John posed to me, which you're going to hear him pose on this show. We had recording problems, and I just wanted to let you know that in advance. There might be a part of it that sounds like it doesn't fit, like, because part of the way through the recording we had to switch from computer to Skype on a cell phone and I think the recording is going to sound good but it may sound like it's uneven in places so I really apologize for that but honestly if you listen to the end of the conversation right through to the end we both felt like God really began speaking to us and maybe through us in some ways at at the end of the show and I know that I really felt an engagement with the Holy Spirit and just the things that we were talking about by the end of the conversation. I really think it's something special that God did with us on the show. And so in spite of all of our technical difficulties. So whenever you hear us come in, you're going to hear that I'm in the middle of a conversation talking about this album by Show Baraka that was pulled from Lifeway's shelves. So if you're wondering what in the world is Rick talking about, that's what I was talking about. Going to try to piece the show together in such a way that it does not sound too disjointed from there on out, but I can't make any promises because we had a hard time, but I think you're going to be able to catch on about what we are talking about. Boycotts and Eugene Peterson and Christianity and conversation and even Lifeway a little bit because I do have some connection with them. I love the people at Lifeway. We aren't bagging on them, I promise. It's just uh, some uh, conversation among people who love each other. So, all right, that's it for now. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. God bless you. With his album recently, um, they threatened we are going to uh, stop carrying Eugene Peterson's books. It's a boycott, and uh, we're, we're going to get rid of them. It's not worthy to have uh, the message. I don't even know if they were going to stop carrying all his books, but they mentioned specifically they were going to stop carrying the message. Right. So uh, because of Eugene Peterson, we're going to stop carrying this paraphrase of the Bible. Um, because of the one word, yes, that happened. So Eugene Peterson quickly put out a retraction the next day, kind of tried to explain himself a little bit more. But at that time, I don't know if the damage was done or not, but it seemed like for Lifeway that was enough, and they decided to keep his books. So that long introduction leads up to a question that you messaged to me. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to let you talk for a minute and kind of ask me that question again so it'll all be fresh in our mind, and we'll see where this conversation takes us tonight. Sure. So when I first read about what had happened with Eugene Peterson, I caught it about, I guess, a little bit later than most people do. I saw some people making comments about it on social media because, honestly, I don't keep track of Christian news <laughs> because right. a lot of times it, it, it can be pretty – well – Unless it's in the Babylon Bee, then I keep track of it. But other than that, I don't keep track of Christian news. Because a lot of times, it so many things get blown out of proportion. And so I read the article. I read articles about the article. I read articles about the retraction. I read the retraction. <laughs> and my... My initial thought was, wow, the speed of social media is just ridiculous these days. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking about how all these things happened and how quickly Lifeway had responded and thinking about 
people that I know or have heard of that may have books or music that are sold in Lifeway bookstores. And so my first thought was, well, if they're opposed to Lifeway pulling Eugene Peterson's The Message, would they then be willing to pull their items as well? And so my question to you was, would you pull your music from Lifeway if you found if if you disagreed with something that they did? Well, and I think that's a that's a fair question. And, and first of all, I should say I don't have my albums in Lifeway. I have a few albums in the Lifeway stories that have songs that I've written that are on them. Uh, so I don't. So so first of all, it's sort of again a hypothetical question because. Um, I, I don't really have control over those songs anyway, it, it, because uh, Lifeway owns the publishing on those, so they kind of decide which songs they want to put in, which ones they don't. They've all been all the songs that I've had in Lifeway stories so far uh, are on compilation albums uh, at this point. So it's not even like I have the, the Rick James albums in Lifeway stories, but it's a good question, I think, and so it makes me wonder. Like I'd have to think through, like what is it that that they're doing that I disagree with. Like, are they, are they supporting, you know, are, are we going back to German times or Nazi times and, and the, uh, and Lifeway has decided they're going to back the Nazi party or something, right. you know? Um, so I think it would have to be probably by degree, but let's say that I was an artist or an author and I felt like they had done something. Would I pull my music or my books out of, of that store? Um, on the one hand, gosh, that's a, that's a big question to ask. Cause I want to look at it maybe from both sides of things. If they definitely did something that you didn't want your, uh, your music to be associated with, or just your ministry to be associated with, um, if for some reason, um, uh, shoot, what is it? Westgate? I, I, I'm saying it wrong. Uh, Westboro Baptist Church, I think the right. the church that goes around and pickets all the funerals. If they, for some reason, decided to make one of my songs the the theme, I would have to take some kind of legal action of you know if that was going to be their song to sure. you know if Christ is Lord, Christ before me is what they were going to be using when they were um, standing outside of the funerals, you know, telling people that. God hates them. I, I think that would be, you know, actionable for me to try to do something like that. It's interesting I think it w- that you mentioned that because I don't think that you can do that unless you personally own the rights. Because okay. um, I remember reading an article about the song that Rush Limbaugh uses, uh-huh. and it, it was written by someone who is fairly liberal. And when they found out that Rush Limbaugh was using their song, they tried to they tried through the courts to get him to stop using it. But they don't own the rights. The the record company that owns the rights to it, you know, they have a license, that ASCAP sure. license or whatever whatever the license is, I don't know what it is that they use for secular music. But it's yeah. similar to the ASCAP license, and anyone who pays for that license is free to use the music. Right. whether you like their political views or not sure yeah so i think it, it kind of depends on the situation and and what say the artist has i know that there are some situations where the artist can and some in situations where they can't control that depending on what it is and how it's licensed out so it's a it's a big question but it leads me around to to want to think about 
um, some different ways. I, I think if I wasn't able to like pull my music or something, uh, I, I think I would at least want to make a statement saying I'm, I'm not for it. You know, right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not behind this and I want to disassociate myself from it as much as possible. Uh, but that leads me to think about uh, the other side of things. And, and maybe this is where our conversation could take us a little bit too. What good does boycotting something do? Um, is, is there a more creative way for the church to be a part of something like this? Is there a better conversation to have, or is there even a better narrative to tell? Now, I, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with the case that I just mentioned from from the rap artist Show Baraka. Have yes, you I heard am. him before? Yes, okay, I am. and you're familiar with with Lifeway pulling his music because yes, yes. Uh, he he mentioned a part of the male anatomy, and it wasn't even it wasn't even like a slang or a offensive term of the male anatomy. It was literally. Uh, a line in a song that when I heard it, I thought that's brilliant. I listened to the whole album, and I and I'm not like a rap guy through and through, so it's it, it's not you know I have a handful of rap albums that I actually listen to, and his is one of them, and the line was literally about um, you know I I used to think with my that part of the male anatomy you know it was it was penis I we're adults right. here we're listening to this, right. um, so I, I you know it's not even something that should be offensive it, it's it's just it's just a, a body part, and it talks about basically in the song he's he's rapping about the unredeemed life before Christ uh, had exactly. a hold of him and the way that he used to live his life, and then it talks in a new way about now that he's following christ i'd have to go back and find the lyrics but anybody who listens to that and really listens would hear like wow that's a powerful statement first of all it's a powerful confession that's what i thought when yeah. i heard it was there's not there's not much christian music that that's honest even though it's true of everyone when we are not redeemed by christ we are not controlled by christ and so we allow sin to reign in many ways and just the way that he was that confessional about it, but then I thought it was even more powerful in the way that the song brought about what Christ had done to redeem him. Um, but there was a, a controversy that happened because he used the word penis, and Lifeway pulled his records from the store. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the and the argument was, well, Lifeway carries like sex books in there, and I don't I don't mean like dirty books. I mean they have things for people who are about to get married, and and books about. Um, you know, Christians and, and sexuality and things like that, which go into a uh, much more graphic description than what his song did right. and are probably on some level much more inappropriate than his album was. Um, but it's just interesting the things that we choose to to come out on. So they uh, boycotted that album and then they were getting ready to boycott Eugene Peterson. And so my my question and, and I, I will let you talk again I promise but what keeps coming back what keeps coming back to my mind is why are we so afraid to have these conversations I guess and in the case of someone like Eugene Peterson um, instead of stopping to think like wow here's a guy that has been ministering in churches for I think like 50 years now I mean he's getting he's getting pretty old and someone who is scholarly enough that he made a paraphrase of the Bible, yes, but he did it from his own translation because he, he is a master of Greek. He's a master of Hebrew. Uh, he is highly intelligent. He has written um, so many, like just stacks of 
theology books aimed at pastors to help them in their ministry. Uh, he's been someone that we have known for years, has been faithful in serving the Lord and, and in calling us back to the ancient faith again and again and again. And without even a conversation, because of this one thing, which which frankly, in this interview was so short, they didn't even give him a chance to explain himself. <laughs> on. Right. It was just, it was just like, well, we're not even going to have the conversation. We're going to pull everything, you know, and we're we're done now, you know, for that one move. And on one level, I think, you know, that is the church, and and I want to be careful in criticizing Lifeway because I know the church does that, and I've probably done that on some extent. Um, but the church is often not very good about having conversations that need to be had with people and just allowing people to explain maybe their viewpoint. So I, I wonder what you think about that. Any thoughts that have come to mind just in the midst of my rambling there about that? Well, I have a lot of thoughts about it, actually. Um, number one being is when is Lifeway going to pull the Bible from their bookshelves <laughs> since they don't like uh you know, things that are controversial. <laughs> right. Because right. Uh, the Bible is very controversial. There's uh, descriptions of uh, male and female anatomy in there, in mm -hmm. one book in particular. Maybe make it, Maybe they can just have an edited version of the Bible that takes all that <laughs> stuff out. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, it, it just, it, I don't think that the banning of things like that has ever really helped, especially... Are you still there, John? I am still I... here. Am I losing you, Rick? Uh, I'm losing you. Uh, I've lost you for a minute, but you're back now. Okay. Start start maybe 30, 30 seconds ago and say again what you just did. Sorry okay, about I that. I think I was talking about the the banning of of the bible and when is lifeway going to going to ban the bible because of some of the content the objectionable content that's in there and and i think often what happens with these controversial subjects is like you said people don't have a conversation and really find out what what is at the crux of a statement that was made. We haven't been given the recordings, if there are any, of the conversation that the interviewer had with Eugene Peterson. You know, I would imagine he slapped down some kind of recorder to record everything, and perhaps they did talk about it for a while. Perhaps it wasn't just a, a throwaway question and he said yes. And maybe there's more to it than that. So I think that's one thing that we need to, to think about when we're making these decisions. And, and, and unfortunately for Lifeway to so quickly jump to that conclusion of we're going to pull his books or we're going to pull someone's music or whatever the case is. So I was thinking... Is Lifeway going to pull the Bible from the shelves? Because there's certainly objectionable content in the Bible. There's descriptions of rape and incest and male and female anatomy. And I was wondering, you know, why, why don't they pull the Bible then? And of course, you know, usually the argument is, well, that's the word of God. <laughs> 
but apparently when it's the word of God, we can have those conversations. But when it's someone who's saying it, who's a, who's a, a Christian, we can't have those conversations and, and really think about what, what the person is saying. And, and the other thing that, that bothered me about it was how quickly they jumped to it. Mm-hmm. Because we did not have any context for that question or his answer in that interview. And more than likely, the person who was doing the interview has a digital recording because typically Mm. when people do recordings, they put down a digital recorder, they do their interview, and then they take notes off of that to write their article. So we don't know if there was a further conversation that went on there or not, and we don't know what the context, the full context of the question and the answer is. We just have the article that was put together and when when you read the article and you see how it it's almost of this as if that was just dropped in there in the middle of it to see if anyone would notice it i guess <laughs> yeah yeah it it really did feel like it just was kind of awkward to the the old the whole uh, the whole thing yeah it was kind of strange and it, it's unfortunate because you know in, in the church we're the ones who should be having those difficult conversations mm-hmm. because if you think about it as as Christians we are really the best informed to have the conversation because we can look at what science and culture says and we can look at what God says and we can reconcile the two Whereas someone who's coming from it from a naturalistic point of view, they and don't recognize the authority of the word of God or recognize uh, the sovereignty of God in a situation, they're they're only coming at it from one from one direction from one perspective. Whereas we we have the benefit of coming and looking at it from two perspectives, and reconciling the two, or rather reconciling the naturalistic view with the word of God. So I think that in the church, it's, it's really important for us to slow down and understand the context of things. For example, how about when, when these Pharisees brought this woman in front of Jesus and said, Hey, she was just caught in the act of adultery. And the law says that she's supposed to be stoned. Uh, Jesus didn't, you know, start picking up stones and say, I'll go first. <laughs> mm, that's <laughs> you know, right. He slowed down. He started riding in the dirt and he, he, he was very contemplative before he gave his response. And he considered all aspects of the situation and realized that, hey, there's more than one point of view here when it comes to this situation that's going on it's highly possible that one of the people that brought the woman there was the person that she was caught with you know who knows yeah exactly uh so so rather than jesus just quickly jumping to a conclusion based on the initial bit of information that was given to him he waited. He thoughtfully considered the situation. I'm sure he prayed about it. And and then he responded. 
He didn't react. He responded. And when I see things like what Lifeway has done and what, what other organiz Christian organizations have done as well, it looks more like a reaction rather mm -hmm. than a response. Right. And, and I understand that there are some situations where there needs to just be a reaction. For example, if someone comes and accuses someone of abusing children in the, in, in the church, there need, does need to be an initial reaction for the safety of the children concerned. It does not need to be a public reaction, but there does need to be some kind of reaction until you get time to gather all the information. But that's mm -hmm. an extreme example, right? That's a really extreme yeah. example. Uh, I think most of the time there does not need to be well, we need to do something about this right now, and we need to make a statement. And I, and I think that was kind of part of it, too, because Lifeway knows where their bread is buttered. Yeah. And they know that it is with very conservative evangelical Christians uh, that are buying most of their products and keeping their stores open. And so if they start seeing a reaction from that particular section of Christianity, they're going to have to do something about it because otherwise it's going to be them boycotting Lifeway, saying, I can't believe you're still carrying this guy's books. Uh, he says he would marry gay people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, so there's kind of the business aspect of it that, that they're looking at. But I think when you put business over... Uh, consideration for others, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we have a problem, especially if you're if you're consider yourself a Christian business. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, a difficult thing uh, to think about for sure, and I think you're right. We as humans maybe are much better at uh, being reactive than we are at taking time to make a good response. Um, let's face it, we we see it all the time right now in the political climate that we're in we're just you know constantly reacting and we're not thinking and taking time to to make a good response very often some some people are and i think a lot of us try to do that um but you know that leads me to something that's even um even bigger and maybe just as as hypocritical in some ways because um I, I i don't know that that there's any connection with Lifeway. I'm sure it is because it's a Southern Baptist thing, but it was what, uh, just a couple weeks ago on the 2nd of July, I think it was on that Sunday. Um, when, you know, that church, I think it was first Baptist in Dallas, um, not to point fingers, but I'll just point the fingers there. Um, they, they had president Trump come and preach a sermon, you know, somebody who I, I don't think he even, I mean, he might say he's a Christian, but he doesn't, there are no fruits of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> in his life, and he's somebody that just a few years ago, and and we've always had problems with with this. It's always been a problem for me. Anytime that politics gets brought in to churches, because I think the church should be the prophetic voice to the nation, and and that there should be some room kept for the good of the nation and for the good of the church. I think we ought to keep those things um, at bay in, in in different ways. But that's a different conversation too. But the interesting thing was, 
you know, they brought him in, a man that, that we know is a womanizer, a man that we know is incredibly immoral with his choices. He's very greedy. He's been shown again and again to be, uh, you know, with all the lawsuits that he, he has lost um, of stealing people's money. Uh, we know he's just a corrupt person, you know, and someone that we would say, you know, if, if that had been a Democrat, they would have gone, there's no way we'll let him speak in our church. But because for no other reason than he's the right wing and Republican, um, there wasn't any, like, outcry from, like, Lifeway or whoever to right. say, you know, we're going to stop carrying this pastor or whoever, you know, that allowed this to happen where on a Sunday, I don't think they mentioned Jesus once in their worship service, but they sang a lot of praises to America. And so to me, that's idol worship, and that's a much more heinous sin, and it was blatant, you know, right. <laughs> in some ways. And so I wonder, like, you know, if, if you're going to decry one statement that's hidden without having a conversation, shouldn't we ha- also be free to have some conversations about some things that are, are clearly um, wrong from a biblical standard? But, you know, for some reason, we have this blindness about things we choose to see, and, and again, sometimes it is money um, and people that we know would buy our products. And that's the other part of it, too, is because the last time I checked, the Bible doesn't have an extremely high view of money either. <laughs> right. Right. And so that's that's a, it's, there's just this whole there's just this whole big hornet's nest of things that you get. Um, now, I should explain a little bit too, just to listeners, because I talk about Lifeway worship a lot. Which I love, and uh, and Lifeway is a bit, it's it's so big. It really is the Southern Baptist Church, and and I'm not Southern Baptist, but they've been very good to me, and they've been very welcoming to me, and I have just the people that I know from Lifeway, I love dearly. I don't know anybody really on the retail side of things, but I'm sure they're good people, like the people that I know in Lifeway worship, um, and what my experience has been, and I've had people tell me that work in the organization, it is such a vast. Uh, company that it's it's literally like the person that there's an old story about you know I think it's like five blind men um, that are told to touch an elephant at different yeah. parts of the elephant and describe what the elephant is and they're all describing something completely different because they're all in different parts of the elephant describing it um, and so it's such a huge corporation uh, which which is also something that until probably this century we've never had in Christianity. You know, we've never had like, like, you know, multi-million dollar companies that were Christian before that I'm aware of. Um, we, we might not have even had that in world history come to think of it. <laughs> Just any, I think so. Yeah. Uh, not until the, so, I don't think until the 20th century that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's sort of like too, and, and I wanted to get behind this. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard call to make. Um, but from the artist side of things, when, you know, when you asked me the question originally, if, if Lifeway did something like incredibly heinous, would I have my music pulled off the shelves? You know, if, if that was within my power to do that, um, I'd also want to make sure that I wasn't taking a stance like, a, like I have heard people do in churches. I've worked in churches long enough that when the church makes a decision, a person doesn't like, I've heard people say to pastors, and I have been that pastor sometimes that someone has come to and said, well, if this doesn't change, I'm going to stop giving my money, mm. and I'm going to go somewhere else, you know? 
<laughs> and almost always when someone says that to me, I just want to say, well, all right, have a good day and I wish you the best, you know, <laughs> we'll see you later. Yeah. because, because that attitude is not, I, I don't believe a Christ-like attitude that, that just reeks of selfishness to me. And it's, and if it was over an issue that was like, you know, something that was really like biblical, it's usually over something dumb, like music style or something. It's never over something truly like, you know, if this church doesn't stop neglecting the poor, you know, I'm going to have to go somewhere else, you know, or, <laughs> or if, if the church doesn't spend its money in more biblical ways then I'm going to, you know, feel that I have to do somewhere else. There's almost never a reason that I hear in those instances. So I, I also, as the artist, I would want to make sure I wasn't coming from the standpoint of one of those people. I'd want to make clear what the issue was before I said, well, I'm not going to let you sell my stuff anymore. You know, <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Which, I, I think the other important thing to remember is that we all have blind spots when it comes mm -hmm. to our faith, right? There's certain areas where if something happens, it, and I hate using this word, it triggers us and, and we totally forget, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to respond Christ-like <laughs> when this yeah. happens. And, yeah. and, and so we all have blind spots and we all have weaknesses. And I think it's, it's, you know, they're, they're blind spots for a reason because we can't see them. But when someone points it out, it's important for us to, to carefully consider what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that LifeWay is looking at the response and the reaction that they have gotten when this has happened the last two times. And they are reconsidering how they do this. It, you know, they're a business and they don't have to carry anyone's books that they don't want to. They don't have to carry anyone's music that they don't want to. But they could just stop carrying it without making a big statement, a, bi a big public statement about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they could just choose not to carry the product and be done with it. But instead, they feel like they have to make a public statement about it. And I, I don't know why that is. But yeah. uh, but maybe the better thing would have been to say, okay, well, we're not going to order any more of Eugene Peterson's books. And if he retracts that statement or backtracks on it or explains it further, then then we'll make a decision at that time whether or not we want to carry his material. So I, I don't – it, it's a complex situation and our responses have to be very nuanced and specific to the particular situation. And and I don't think this is a conversation to be had now, but maybe down, down in the future is, so what about his response? What about the pastor who says yes to that? Mm -hmm. And, and, and how do we, how do we deal with that? Uh, so if, if, if a, if a pastor says, I'm not going to marry a, a gay couple, because they're in sin and it, God that is not God's perfect plan for relationships, the marriage relationship, then will that pastor also marry a couple where one or both of them have been divorced? Mm. Because that's also not God's perfect plan 
for marriage. Right. So what, where do we draw the line when, when it comes to that? And, and, and why is that, why is that line arbitrarily drawn there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, it, it is, it is, it, it's a complex situation and I don't, I don't feel qualified to answer that question. I know what I think, but I don't know that I necessarily feel qualified to answer questions like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's a tricky thing. And I, and I think it's, um, it's hard when we, when we start sort of picking and choosing, um, which things from the Bible we're going to say is biblical. Right. Because <laughs> one thing that I think is really hard um, about the Bible, and, and the Bible is, is difficult because the Bible is is often having arguments with itself. Yes. And I don't, I don't think people realize that oftentimes, especially if they want to take the point of view that, you know, the Bible's just infallible and, and there's nothing in it that could ever be, you know, debated. Uh, it's just hard to go from that standpoint when when there are passages of Scripture that are debating with each other. Right. Know? I mean, right. even even from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, um, there is a discrepancy in the story. I mean, it changes already yes. from, from yeah. like, the order of things and how it went. And uh, one thing that I know from... Uh, not just my own study of theology, but I've, I've become pretty good friends with our local Jewish rabbi down the street here. And one thing that, you know, he, he helps me understand Hebrew scriptures in a much more beautiful and clear way uh, in just helping me see that so often that is what the Bible is there for. It is to be discussed and debated and questioned and wrestled with. And, and it's sort of like the idea of, of uh, the, the story of... Um, of Israel, uh, Jacob, you know, wrestling with God and and having um, his hip dislo- you know, dislocated um, by by God in this all night wrestling match, right. and then, uh, being given a new name, and 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 one thing that my my rabbi friend helps me understand is it is in that struggle with the Word um, that that we become new people. And that we are taken to places that we swore we would never go, you know, <laughs> right. and that we're often we're often taken to new viewpoints we didn't think that we would have. And so much of what uh, the scripture is, uh, is that conversation and, and that rub and that that struggle going on. And I think that's the beauty partially of the way that the Bible is designed. And I you know, I, I always have trouble when we come to discussions like that, because when people come with their argument already decided and their answer already decided, it's impossible to even have a conversation or, or hear the other side's point of view about things. Sure. Um, and like you said, I would love to sit and, and I, I know just from reading Eugene Peterson's books over the years, I've, I've probably read 15 or 20 of them. Um, and he is such a well-reasoned person. Um, I would love to sit and hear his reasons like why? Why did you answer that way? And what what was your your thought behind it? Um, and and I'd love to hear your take because the, there are a lot of denominations that believe differently on this matter, and so it would it would be interesting to to just have those conversations and and and, and it's hard to do. One of my favorite theologians, William Willimon, in the beginning of one of his books, it just starts out by saying, "Church is hard," yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and there's no there's no more. Uh, appropriate and shorter statement is how to say it. it 
that this is hard. It's just, it's hard uh, to live in this dynamic. And yet we have to live together and we have to live with people that we have disagreements with. And, you know, there's, there's issues that I think are, or maybe even more clear that that should be like super clear to believers, and and they're just not uh, because of what um, I, what I want to call pop Christianity or or different things even in the the uh, national media at times has led us to to think that some of these sins are are greater or lesser than others in some ways, and so you know when you when you get into a conversation like about homosexuality and things like that, immediately the the other side comes back with, well, then why do you wear a garment of two different cloths? Or why do you touch, why do you eat pigs? Or, you know, why do you touch a football? You should should be executed. And, you know, if we're going to be biblical about it, then, you know, biblical marriage would mean it's an arranged marriage and we're going to have several spouses and we're going to, you know. Sure, (laughs) sure. It's kind of like, so just... There has to be a conversation had somewhere, you know. Um, right. You know, you're, uh, we we don't we don't marry in the same way now that we did in, in biblical times. And a matter of fact, there's um, there's a much closer parallel to marriage in biblical times if you go like over to Africa to some places that I've been, um, where they still are getting married in the same ways and still are having multiple wives, and and many of them are are Bible believing people, you know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and and so even that becomes something that's a whole new conversation. So well, and part of the part of the thing that we have to deal with as Christians is first of all, I mean, I've been a Christian for almost 30 years. So my some of my thoughts and my views about what's in the Bible has changed over those 30 years. Sure. And and you're in a sad state, I believe, if your views have not changed in 10 or 15 years about what's yeah. in the Bible. Because God progressively revealed himself to his people, starting in Genesis all the way up until the last book in the Bible was written. He, sure. they, you know, We have progressive revelation, and that's one of the things that the people who make these arguments don't understand <laughs> about, sure. well, then why are you wearing mixed clothing? And it's, you know, well, be, hello, it's called progressive revelation. You know, mm-hmm. why, why do we believe things scientifically differently now than we did before? Well, because mm-hmm. we have progressive revelation about what about things scientifically. Uh, so, so so there's that. And I think as Christians our understanding of who God is should be changing over time. And and I'm going to make a bold statement here, and, and I don't think that comes from reading the Bible. I think it comes from being in a relationship with God and knowing who he is and spending time with him and praying and worshiping and listening. I think American Christians put way too much emphasis on studying the Bible. Mm. And so people get stuck in what's written on the pages and getting to know what's written on the pages instead of actually getting to know the God who had those words written down. Mm-hmm. And and listen, I'm all for Bible study. I do it. I lead a Bible study every Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> so so I'm 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 all for it. And, and and I I like studying the Bible, but 
But if all I'm doing is studying the Bible and not really getting to know who God is through prayer and through worship and through meditating on his word, if all I'm doing is looking up words in Hebrew and Greek and looking up 17 different translations and making sure I have 85 scriptures memorized every day and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I don't think that's a relationship with God. Uh, I think it's, I think a relationship can be, can be born out of that. Absolutely. But I think we need to actually just spend more time with God and getting to know who he, who he is. If I want to get to know Rick Lee James, I don't just read what you write on the page. I don't just listen to your music. Those are some ways that I can get to know who you are and know about you. But the best way for me to, 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 to strengthen a relationship is to have a conversation with you. And in a month from now, I'm going to see you in person and actually see you and, 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 and build on that even more. And that's how I get to know who Rickley James is. It's not by just reading what he's written. If, if people only knew you based on the words you'd written on a page and made judgments about you and made statements about who you were strictly based on what you'd what you've written, you're going to say to yourself, well, you don't really know me then because I've only revealed a portion of myself in what I've written. But if you really get to know me personally, I'll be able to reveal more about myself and my character and my nature to you. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think also along with that is where I think like anything else, the Bible is a tool to help us know God, but the Bible is not God. We actually, as Christians, submit to the living word of Jesus, um, and and that actually guides us in how we look at the written word. Right. <laughs> and and sometimes, you know, I think we, we approach Scripture on our terms instead of approaching Scripture on its terms, yeah. too. And, and we're not very good about and maybe this is the church's failing, and and as as our conversation starts winding down here a little bit, I think that um, we maybe have not in our at least in the Protestant denomination. I think maybe some of the some of the more mainstream churches and you know Catholic and Orthodox might do a better job at this. Uh, but there's there's a lot of a lot to be said for studying the people who gave us the Bible too, right. and you know like church history and the creeds and the founding fathers of the church to see what they were talking about because we didn't you know so many of us think that the Bible just popped out of heaven and there it is and we have it and and there was actually um, a, a lot of let's let's say fellowship and conversation um, and and a lot of slow obedience by God's people to even form uh, the Bible that we have, you know, mm -hmm. and they had to decide what gets in, what gets out, what should we have, what shouldn't we have, and how do we um, together interpret this. And and I, I think that even just knowing that can be helpful in how we approach Scripture in the first place. And then, you know, approaching Scripture not – it's, it's so hard to remove ourselves from the context that we live in. But it's impossible to read the Bible from the perspective of those who have, because the Bible is written from the perspective of the have-nots, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so when we hear 
um, so many passages about, you know, God's wrath coming down on those who have oppressed, you know, and those who are wicked, it's, it's more than likely talking about us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we're, we're the ones that should go, oh, I need to duck because where I have been stationed in life in, in this nation and where I'm at, um, just among people, I, I feel like so often um, we should be more like Isaiah, where Isaiah in chapter six, when he says, you know, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And so unless we even approach scripture on its terms, it's going to be a distortion of it, which is why sometimes I think the way we approach scripture, we want to do it almost like as a checklist, like I've got to get through the whole Bible this year. And so I'm going to read this much every day. And I've got no problem with that. But I think as I've matured in my faith, what what helps us to have the word really speak to us is almost like a Lectio type reading where we'll stop and, and take even a small passage mm-hmm. and read it and then read it again and, and see what God is speaking to us from that and then read it one more time and, and see again, Lord, what is the Lord speaking to us as we hear that? And um, it's, it's a much more... Um, relational way of approaching scripture i think and i i just think there's something to be said for that too because we we do believe that the word is living and that jesus speaks to us through the word of god written and otherwise um but there's something special about approaching it on its terms and not on ours right i i remember years ago someone talking about starting a a a bible reading regimen and he invited people to come along with him. And it was it, it at first seemed like the, the easiest easiest thing you could do. He posted one at the most two verses a day online. Mm-hmm. And that was what he encouraged you to read. Read this one verse and think about it. Think about it for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Think about it throughout the day and just contemplate what that means to you, what that means to your life. And I think if we slow down a little bit more, uh, we can really, it, it, what do we say to our, say to our kids at, at the dinner table when they're eating so, so fast, slow down so you can taste it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get through the Bible in a year. There's no time to taste and see that the Lord is good when you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or I've seen people like read the New Testament in 90 days. And that's a great I mean I think that's super, you know, great. You read the you read the New Testament in in, in 90 days and 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 I'm sure God can reveal something to you out of that. But how about taking 90 days to read the book of John and really just slow down and just focus in on that book. Um I've been doing a Bible study in Acts for almost a year now. And we've just been going through it sometimes half a chapter a week and it's just been such a blessing to sit around the table with uh with people and hear what they have hear what they think about the passage not just what i think or or what god revealed to me but what god has revealed to them about it and just slowing down and hearing what other people have to see have to say what they see in scripture how it impacts them and you know, you mentioned you mentioned Isaiah's words, "Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips." That that's one of those uh, that's one of those prophetic things that people don't want to 
claim for themselves, right? They want to claim all the other stuff, right. <laughs> all the good stuff, but not the bad stuff. <laughs> you know, if you if if you're going to uh, appropriate uh, uh, prophecy that was designated for Israel, then you need to appropriate it all, not just the portions that you like. Sure. So, uh, it is it is a uh, um, it, it's 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 tough. It really is tough, and and I I know that when I was first a Christian, I had certain thoughts about who God was, and how God should respond to certain things. Because hey, this is how He responded here in the in the Bible. Should, why isn't He responding this way now? But uh, it just as as I've grown up and as I've gotten to know more Christians and gotten to know God better. It's so much more complex than just the words that are written in our Bibles. Mm. It's and it's there's so there there's you can go so much deeper with God than just the words that are written on those pages. And it takes getting to know other people. It takes understanding who the people are speaking the words and who the words are being spoken to. It takes doing all of that to really even get a tenth of the way to the heart of God, you know, it just, if we can even get a tenth of the way to, to knowing God that, that well on this side of heaven, you know, um, it is just, it it is, it's not something that, that we can do easily. And, and I think when, you know, kind of just to bring it back around to this, to this original opening question, when we see someone make a particular statement that we don't disagree with or we think is controversial, we need to take the time and really contemplate what they said, why did they say it, who were they saying it to, and consider whether or not maybe our point of view is wrong. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I keep going back to the image and um I know it's getting late in our time together, so this might be sort of a closing thought for tonight. But I love what you just said about slowing down at a mealtime and telling people to to stop. You're going to choke on your food. <laughs> and it, one thing that I know for sure, uh, I do a lot of traveling. So there are those times when I'm on the road, and mealtime is often, for me, behind the steering wheel and you know i'm i'm in a a rush to get to the next venue or where i need to go sometimes there's several hours in between and i don't have time to stop and so i'm i literally feel like i'm i'm almost just choking down food just for a little sustenance to move on but i'm not really enjoying it or even thinking about what i'm putting in my mouth at the time because i'm i'm focused on other things and i i feel like we're not just in our approach to the Bible, but I feel like we're that way with everything right now. And maybe our iPhone culture has caused us to be even more this way in some ways, but we're so busy multitasking all the time. And we're so busy, um, you know, we've got this Facebook page up, we've got music going in the background, we've got a podcast playing, um, we're we're at work, we're at school, we're uh, at church, we are um, at one event to the next there's sporting events there's shopping uh, even when you're shopping or at the sporting events there's all kinds of noise going on constantly right and it's it's really hard even if you're just sitting down to watch a tv show 
uh, it's really we're almost far removed from that time where we can even focus on that TV show for the entirety of the episode because there's six other things going on. And if you add kids to that, there's even more distraction. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just very distracted. And yet what you said, I love that about the meal. There is something about a mealtime at a good restaurant and where we've taken time to turn off our phones and, this weekend, I'm looking forward to. I'm taking my wife away for a couple of days after church on Sunday. We're leaving, and we're just going to do a little getaway to celebrate both of our birthdays about three weeks early. And one thing that I'm so looking forward to is just to be able to have the time, uh, just just me and her. Uh, hopefully, we're going to go to a couple good restaurants, and it'll probably be a place where they're going to bring out that good bread. And, you know, um, I, I don't know where we'll go exactly, but in my mind, you know, or even like a Mexican restaurant or something and just sit down and enjoy the chips and the salsa and enjoy the conversation and be present for it and not have to worry about all these other things that would take away our attention. I think if we were much more intentional about that in our approach to knowing God, I just can't stress enough how much I love what you just said about that, that if we were able to stop for the meal and thinking about the Lord's table, especially as we come to so often week after week in our worship, if we could even slow down in our worship in that way, it doesn't all have to be fog machines and lights and all those other things. There can be a real, um, communal conversation with the Holy Spirit, meeting him at his table and envisioning Jesus as the host at this meal that wants to call us together to know each other well and to love each other well and to stop. And and that that may be one of the most countercultural things we do on Sunday morning if we can actually make our houses of worship in that hour that we come together. And I know that puts a lot of weight upon that one hour. <laughs> But if we can make our houses of worship a place that does that in in our fellowship with each other and with God, um, I think it's one of the most rebellious acts to what's going on in the world that we can do. It's maybe sure. one of the greatest acts of protest um, to all the world that is just speeding around us and all the tweets that are flying out and, and all the things like that. So I think that might be a pretty good place for us to to kind of close our conversation tonight is to just allow ourselves to slow down a little bit. And it's, it's a bit ironic because even in the midst of trying to record this conversation, we've had glitches in calls and the mics weren't working right. Right. <laughs> even our conversation tonight has been distracted by several other things. Um, but I, maybe even that had its purpose tonight to help us to slow down and, and think and talk. And I can tell you what you said about, slowing down at the meal, I'm going to be dwelling on that for a while. And so I so appreciate what you said. Well, I think it applies to me as well. I know that I don't always slow down for things, whatever it is, whether it's spending time with my kids, spending time with my wife, or just stopping and pulling off to the side of the road and, hey, look, that's a nice looking lake. I think I'll look at that lake for 10 minutes on my way home or on my way to work or wherever I'm going. And just slow down because we, I think too, we're, we're moving too fast. I think we're, we're moving way too fast and that is absolutely countercultural. And that doesn't mean we need to throw out our technology or anything like that, but we just need to acknowledge, 
hey, this stuff is changing, is fundamentally changing the way we interact with one another and the way that we, um, the way that we just do life, period. And, it, and, and if we want to be countercultural to that, the thing for us to do is to slow down. Yeah, for sure. And it makes me think of a something funny. You know, God has a sense of humor when we do slow down to listen because it's almost it's almost never what we expect it's going to be. You know, sometimes sometimes you stop to to look at that deer in your yard. You know. Yep. <laughs> And you go, oh, hey, come here, kids, come look at this. Come call your wife, come look at this beautiful, majestic deer that's walking on our property right now. And just as the moment everyone comes and begins to absorb the beauty of this animal, the the deer takes a dump in your yard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of go, well, what are you saying now, guy? Uh, all that is to say, it's it's a humorous story, but it's also, I think, sometimes the unexpected way that the story will turn out when it comes to listening to God. <laughs> you know? yeah. We, yeah. we often expect it's going to be like, oh, this perfect all things tied together. And so often we're going to come away from our time with God and our, our time with Scripture, and we'll be scratching our heads thinking, what the heck just happened <laughs> you know? yep. as I stopped and slowed down? But that's part of the relationship, too, and, and part of the journey of uh, just coming without the preconceived notions and allowing God to completely change the outcome of what you were expecting and allowing him to do his work uh, in, in you when you come to him. And so much of it is approaching the Lord, uh, just fully giving ourselves. Well, John, um, I hope that story didn't ruin the track we were on, but I, I think it I don't think uh, so. served, served a good purpose for where we were going. Thank you so much for you know having this conversation with me. I know it was very unscripted tonight, and we didn't know exactly where it was going to go. And hopefully the editing will turn out well in a way that this flows cohesively tonight. But I've... Um, I, I've sensed that the conversation has been good, good for my heart and for my soul, and, uh, and I appreciate you taking time to have it with me tonight. Absolutely, and I uh, appreciate the time for you doing the same thing. And I think that, um, you know, I think uh, God spoke to me tonight. Yep, I agree. I think the same thing happened. So, well, John and God, thank you for being the voices in my head this week. <laughs> Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.